Thank you so much, praise band and praise team. What a great day. If you put those slide back up of Drew and Liz for just a moment, uh, I, I'm going to do, do an audible here, all right? So I want to do that for just a moment. And uh, uh, th- that's the, sl- the slide. I, a couple things I didn't say about Drew. First of all, he is also a student at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's not quite finished yet, but he's, uh, 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 he should finish in a year or so. And so we're really excited about Drew and little Jovi Grace. I think she was born in May. And uh, another picture I have of them, and this is with their dog, John Piper. I just want you to see that. So if you kind of want to know who he reads, he named his dog after John Piper. So there you go. And so uh, that's just kind of a fun thing I wanted to show you. And uh, we'll move on from there. But um, one of the things Drew's going to do is that he's going to uh, be finishing his, his seminary while he's uh, serving, but he feels an unbelievable and distinct call to student ministry. And uh, that's his passion, and that's his desire. And so we're really excited for him. Now, let's go to embrace the Savior, please. All right? And so uh, we're going to look at uh, uh, today, we're continuing this series of messages, and we're entitled, entitling the Brace of the Savior. And today, I want us to look with, uh, if you'll look with me, and we're going to be in Luke's gospel, chapter number two. And we're talking about this great birth announcement that took place the day that our Savior, the Lord Jesus, was born. Just recently, a few days ago, two weeks ago, actually, my son and daughter-in-law, they were ex- had been expecting a baby, and they came by the house, and Aaron and Brad said, we're going to the... Uh, we're going to the hospital tonight, and uh, they're going to induce, and we're going to be having a baby soon. We waited. We just kept waiting. We could hardly sleep. And then the next day, we're just thinking about it, and where's she at, and how's she progressing? And we just couldn't wait to get that, in, that announcement that baby, the baby was here. Then we had to wait two days to get a name. But we were so excited about the baby coming. And so little Charlotte came, and we are so thrilled. And we couldn't wait to tell others. And uh, it's just thrilling. I was uh, putting some gas in my truck the other day, and uh, I saw one of Brad's uh, friends. And he, uh, he, said, I, he said, congratulations, Grandpa. I, and I, I didn't recognize him at first because he had a full beard. And I said, Hey, I said, uh, and uh, I couldn't think of his name. I said, hey, <laughs> brother. And so, uh, and, uh, and he goes, uh, hey, congratulations. They had be, I haven't talked to Brad for a long time. I didn't even know. And so it was kind of funny. I said, yeah. I said, Aaron said she had kept it a secret on Facebook for nine months and hadn't told anybody, and then all of a sudden shared they had a baby. She said, we're crashing Facebook today. And so it was just kind of fun for them to make that big announcement about this birth, this great thing that happened in their life that they wanted everyone to know about. One of the greatest birth announcement stories of all time is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter number 2. You know the story. Let's look at it together. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in their fields, keeping watch over their flock. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone round of them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, a Savior, who is Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a feeding trough. And after seeing them, they reported the message. They were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Amen. Father, I pray that today, that as we read this story, Father, that we would be reminded about this great good news of the coming of a Savior, who is Messiah, the Lord. Father, I pray that today that we wouldn't let the Christmas, the the secular Christmas obscure and displace the great truth of the coming of your Son. Father, speak to our hearts today about the importance of this child's birth. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to look at the story together. And we'll first of all notice this heaven's birth announcement. And what do we know as we look at the story together? First of all, notice the setting. It says in, the, uh, says in verse, uh, verse number 8, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in their fields, keeping watch over their flock. So we see the sheep that are in the fields and the shepherds, that are there with them in the field. And so we see them, it says, in the same region. That means very nearby, Bethlehem, in the same vicinity of Bethlehem. There are shepherds, and what are these shepherds doing? They're out in the fields outside of this small town called Bethlehem, and it says they are living, staying with their sheep all night in the fields. They're camping with the sheep out in the field, these, uh, and so that's the setting. Secondly, you not only see the sheep, but you see the shepherds. And these shepherds are doing what shepherds do. Shepherds' job or occupation was a humble uh, occupation. It was an agricultural job. It was, you didn't have to be the most highly skilled person to be a shepherd. But you do have to be faithful. And these shepherds were out in the field. They were were represented in God's word. 
Some people say, and it's true, that shepherds, shepherding was a lowly occupation, that it was for the humble, that it wasn't high-paying job, that it wasn't the most respected position, like some other positions that you might have to earn a living. As a matter of fact, most shepherds were shepherd boys. They were young men. They were making a minimum kind of wage. But God's word elevates the idea of shepherding. And God speaks of himself as being our shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my what? Shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still or quiet waters. He restores what? My soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his own name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, shepherd's tools, they comfort me. God is depicted himself as being a shepherd. And so David writes that psalm. David was the king of Israel, but he knew what it was like to be a shepherd boy. Jesus himself identifies with being a shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Israel's leaders were called shepherds, and shepherds protect, shepherds provide, shepherds are present with their flock. That's what shepherds do. In the Bible, the word pastor is the Greek word poimen. And the word pastor means shepherd. That's what it is. A pastor is a shepherd. Someone who guides and cares and protects and provides for his sheep. Peter writes to the elders and he said, Shepherd the flock of God among you. It's God's flock, but you, elders, shepherd God's flock. David was a shepherd. He knew about shepherding and caring for others. Lowly and humble. But you know what? God comes for the lowly and the humble. Amen? Look around the room. Jesus came for people like us. Those who need a shepherd and need a savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many influential, not many of noble birth. God comes for people like shepherds. Amen. Secondly, notice the appearance of angels. Now, what a story. Angels. Wouldn't you love to see an angel? Maybe. What would it be like to see a real Angel, right before your very face. But notice, in these fields, in the dark of night, while they're watching over their flocks, suddenly, this angel of the Lord stood before them. First of all, notice this single angel. There's, a, there's an angel by himself that's there. And it says he's an, an angel of the Lord. It doesn't say the angel of the Lord. Who is this? Angel, I, we don't know his name for certain, 
But in Luke's gospel, chapter number 1, in verse number 26, this angel, an angel of the Lord, appears to Mary. Now notice what it says in verse number 26, chapter 1. Just look over a, a, a page or so. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was what? Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now, what's this angel's name? It says his angel, Gabriel. And so he came to announce this good news. In chapter number 1 of, of, of Luke, verse number 19, we have the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Zechariah is a priest, and lot, the lot has fallen for him to do service inside of the temple before, uh, the, uh, uh, with the incense. And so as he's there ministering, he's praying. And this angel of the Lord appears before him and tells him that the Lord has heard your prayers, Zechariah, and Elizabeth has been unable to conceive and so hasn't been able to have a child. And he says, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to be bear a son, and you'll name him John. And he's going to be a prophet and filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be great in the sight of our Lord. And he's going to prepare the way of the Messiah. He'll come like Elijah. And so Zechariah hears this angel of the Lord. And he says, how can I know this is true? <laughs> you shouldn't talk back to angels, I'm just telling you. And he said, my name is Gabriel. I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and tell you good news from God. Now listen. You will become silent and not able to speak until this takes place because you did not believe God. Wow. And he couldn't speak until John was born. Isn't that amazing? What was this angel's name? Gabriel. So Gabriel appears to Mary. Gabriel appears to Zechariah. And now this angel of the Lord appears, we don't know, but it most likely could very well be Gabriel himself. It says the word appeared in the Greek. It, that word appeared means sort of a supernatural appearance. And it says then the glory shone all around. What is this glory? It's the Greek word doxa, where we get the word doxology, giving glory to God, right? And so glory, this doxa, shone all around. In the Old Testament, it's, it's the word kabod, the glory of God. As a matter of fact, the name Ichabod means glory departed. But it is the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah glory of God. And there's God's presence with brightness, and his glory is on the hillsides where the shepherds are with the sheep. So there's a single shepherd. But all of a sudden, there's an army of shepherds. I mean, an army of angels. And so there's a single angel, and then there's an army of angels. Notice in chapter 2, verse number 13, what the Scripture says. It says, Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to people he favors. Now, there's a multitude of heavenly angels here. The Greek word that is used here in the New Testament is the word stratia, and that means it is, is an encampment. It's a large encampment of angels. It means a large band of angel army that has come from a much larger larger group of troops of angels. Jesus talked about, in military terms, about angels, didn't he? In Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 26, you remember when he's in the garden and whenever they come to arrest him and Peter starts wielding a sword and, uh, and, uh, to defend them and Jesus said, put your sword in its place. Now listen to what he said. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And do you not think that I cannot pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than ten legions of angels? How many angels is a legion? Six thousand angels is one legion. And he said he can provide more than 12 legions, 72,000 army angels at my word. That's a big number, isn't it? Now, let me just say this. In 2 Kings chapter 19, one angel killed 185,000 men in one battle. How powerful would 72,000 of those dudes be? In Revelation chapter number 5, Paul, uh, John sees myriads and myriads of angels, more than your mind could fathom or you could count. This is the language of John. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, living creatures and elders, and the number of them, listen, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousand and thousand. What he's saying is it's innumerable. The number of angels that are in this world. (laughs) If only God could pull back the heavens and we would see the angels all around us. They're all about us. Caring for us, protecting, providing, carrying out God's will in the world. We can't see them. Except occasionally. Wow, what power and might and authority that God in heaven has. And all of heaven is celebrating the birth of this child. Amazing, isn't it? There's an army of angels. Thirdly today, I want us to think, look at the angel's announcement. What do these angels have to announce? First thing that the angel says, and this is most always the case, Do not be afraid. Stop being afraid is what he says. Notice what he says. And he says, the angel said, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For today, a Savior, his Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. 
and this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feed trough, a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, pardon me. Glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth to people he favors. As I look at this, what is the announced what is the announcement? First of all, he's saying God is working. God is with you. God is sovereign. God is good. And God is carrying out a plan. God is orchestrating events in his time and for his purpose. He is moving and carrying out his plan. And now you get to hear how his hand is at work among us. And it's good news. It is good news. Can I seriously? God is sovereignly working in his world. Whenever you and I begin to think that God is not sovereign and he's not working, fear fills our heart. By the word sovereign, I mean God is ruling. God doesn't answer to anybody. God carries out his work in the world. My goodness, this thing's gone crazy. Pardon me. Now, Satan may want to mess this up, but God is sovereign and he sits on the throne. Listen, Caesar Augustus makes a decree in Rome, and that Roman decision forces, it forces Joseph and Mary to go from Nazareth, and they go to Joseph's hometown, which is where Bethlehem. But God had already forecast in prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. God is carrying out his plan. And God's still carrying out his plan in this world today. Amen? And so we can trust him. He's carrying out his plan in this world. And there's good news. This is the thing. Don't be afraid because God is bringing good news. The word good news here, notice what it says in the passage. He says great tidings, good tidings of great joy. It is the word there is the word that we get the word evangelism from. It's the word that we get uh, evangel from, the good news of God. And the coming of Jesus Christ is good news. How many of y'all agree with that? Let me tell you, tell your neighbor, here's the good news of Jesus coming. Now tell your neighbor, God loves you. Tell him this, God knows you. (laughs) Tell him this, you're valuable to him. Tell your neighbor, he has a plan for your life. Tell your neighbor, he's not forgotten you. And he redeems you. This is good news of great joy. 
This is great joy. Salvation brings joy, brings joy. In Luke's gospel, he links salvation and joy together. In Luke's gospel in particular. And he's saying this salvation is good news. The question I have for you today is why is there so much joylessness in the church? Isn't it good news that Christ has come? Yes. And I think some people are so joyless in their life is because they've never really experienced God's work of salvation, his work of grace in your life. They're still trying to work your way, still trying to earn your way into a right standing with God. You're trying to earn your salvation or you're measuring yourself against other people, judging other people and finding your pecking order and judging others. And it brings this negativity into your life. Negative-minded people are not focused on the grace of the Lord Jesus. Thanks, brother, for the clap, because that's exactly right. Negativity. It's your downfall. It, is, it, 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 it shows where you're at in your life spiritually. You're focused on that... I was trying to get in that parking spot, and they, they just got in there before me. you got to park five spots further away. But you're grouchy all day because somebody disrespected you and took that parking spot from, right? Or we, and something at church, you just don't like, and you're just negative. And it just spews out of your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, I'm not negative. Well, you're not a very good judge of that. So I would ask you to ask somebody close to you. Say, would you answer me correctly and be honest with me? And I won't get mad at you. Am I negative? Put your seatbelt on. Get ready. Occasionally, Christy will say to me, Tim, that sounds a little negative to me. How dare you call your pastor negative? But she's speaking the truth into my life. That negatively, negativity creeps in. Negative people, let me tell you about them, they'll suck the life out of you. At first, they may seem jovial, maybe fun, maybe have big stories, and maybe laugh. But then when you start to really listen, it has negativity in it. And that negativity is often based in our flesh and in our works, but it's never based in grace. Because grace brings joy in your life. And there's power in that. And love and peace in your heart. Amen? This is why the Lord came. Do you have a joy in your life? The joy of the Lord? It's for all people. It is for all people. It says... For all of the people, the word that he uses there is the word laos. It's, 
It means laity for all of the people. It means all of the people of all the world. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world, all people, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, everyone who believes in him, will not perish but have eternal life. Hallelujah. What else is the message? It's good news, brings great joy. It's for all people. And then he gives them, this is his title, his name, this baby is a Savior. The word Jesus, and we talked about this last Sunday, the word Jesus means Jehovah saves, and he will be a Savior. And this Savior is born for you. He's born for shepherds, and he's he's born for pastors, and he's born for mechanics, and he's born for school teachers. And he's born for steel workers, and he's born for carpenters, and he's born for all of us. Amen? Born for you this day. Today has been born for you. Did you know the good news? How would you like to be those shepherds and hear that message? Hey, dudes, listen. Once quit being scared. Listen to me. Today, this very day, has been born for you. For you, a Savior, who's Christ the Lord. It's for today, right now, what they had longed for and looked forward to and and wanted to see happen had happened that day. On that day, there'd been a Savior. Today is the day of salvation. Today, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today is the day of good news for you. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house. And the angel said, today a Savior has been born for you in the city of David. Hmm. The city of David here means Bethlehem. There's two cities of David that's found in the Scripture. There's on the southern slope of Mount Zion, where Jerusalem's at, is where King David set up his city and where he ruled from, and where his palace was built. And that came to be known the city of David. But in the Scripture, the prophets called Bethlehem the city of David, because this is where David, the king of Israel, was born. And here is the Savior. What is this Savior going to do? He's going to deliver you from oppression. That's what a Savior does. A Savior will deliver you from injustice. A Savior delivers you from disease. A Savior delivers you from your enemies. And a Savior delivers you from slavery. He sets men free. Amen? Charles Wesley wrote this hymn in 1744. Listen to it. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver. Born a king, a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. 
by thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. By thy all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Amen. The baby is Messiah. He's the anointed one. He is the... He is... The, the Messiah, or Christ, that's what the word Christos, Messiah. It is the prophe- prophesied one, the anointed one. It is the one that would come and rule. He, the Savior would be Messiah. He would be the one that comes in the lineage of David. You remember the story in Bethlehem, David was a part of a big family and many brothers. You remember the story? And you remember that the prophet, what was his name? Samuel. And Samuel had anointed King Saul as king over Israel. But Saul had disobeyed the Lord and, in, and had not been patient in obeying and following him. And God said, I would have had Saul and his family to continue a lineage of kingship. But the kingship of Israel is going to be removed from Saul and given to one with a heart after mine. And he says, I want you to go to Bethlehem to Jesse's house and anoint the one that will be king, taking Saul's place. And so Samuel, the prophet, goes to Bethlehem, and there he goes to Jesse, and he said, can I see your sons? And so Jesse begins to bring his sons. And whenever Samuel sees the sons of Jesse, he goes, unbelievable. What a specimen of a man. What a warrior. What a leader. This must be it. And God said, no, he's not the one. And the next son, no, he's not the one. The next son, no, he's not the one. And finally, he brings all of his sons. And he says, is this all the sons that you have? He said, well, I got the ruddy small one. He's, he's out with the sheep. Like a shepherd, a shepherding the sheep. And he said, bring him to me. And from the hillsides outside of Bethlehem, messengers go to a boy who's a shepherd. And they say, go to your father's house. And he comes to his father's house. And the moment Samuel sees him, he said, God said, he's the one. And God moves Samuel to anoint him as king, the anointed one. And on the very same hills, in this very same village, outside of Bethlehem, hundreds of years later, God appears to shepherds in the very, near the very same place that David was and said, born for you this day in the city of David is a Savior, the Anointed One, Christ the Lord. Woo! God working out his plan. Amen? That's who he is. The baby is saved, but he's also Lord. He is Lord. The word Lord, it's the Greek word kurios. In the Old Testament, it's the word for God. In Colossians chapter 1, verse number 19, look with me. This is awesome. Colossians, look. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. 
and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross where the things on earth are things in heaven. Did you see that first part of that verse? The fullness of God dwells in him. Wow. When you see Jesus, you see the fullness of God. And he's reconciling the world. He is the Lord. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 6. Who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage or held on to. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him, gave him a name that's above every name. Now listen, watch close. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess what? Jesus Christ is what? Lord. Here's the same word. Jesus, Savior. Christ. Curios. He's Messiah. Christos. Curios. Jesus Christ is Lord above all. To the glory of God the Father. What an awesome thought. And he says to those, the angels say to those shepherds, He's Christ the Lord. Hallelujah, the Savior. Amen. They're so excited about it. What a great Savior that we have. Notice next, this army band, this announcement that is made it's the baby is Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He is our Savior. Amen. Number four. The army band of praise. Notice what happens. Suddenly it was with a multitude. Now there's not just one angel, many angels. And they began to praise God and saying, what glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. Let's stop right there. Notice he says, there's the highest heaven, that's heaven, and then there's earth. And what he's saying, the angels are saying, glory to God in heaven and peace on earth. There's parallelism here. It's like poetry. He said, in heaven, glory on earth. Peace. That's what he's saying. Praise in heaven, peace on earth. And so let's look at those two things that they're singing and or they're praising God and saying. He says it's, it's peace that God is bringing on earth. Before that, though, he says praise in heaven. He says glory to God in the highest heaven. These are curious things, aren't they? What he's saying is, stay with me. Real quick, and we're almost done. Stay with me. He's saying, as the angels begin to speak, glory in heaven. The angels were curious about what was going on. 
They watched as God created the world. They watched as man fell into sin. They watched the rebellion and insurrection of men. They watched as God gave his law. They watched as God's people continue to disobey him. They watched as God is fulfilling prophecy. They are watching, and they knew they were watching and caring. But as Paul said, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who are under the law and that we might be adopted as his sons. And so I don't know what was happening in heaven exactly. None of us do. We're, none of us were there. But in my mind's imagination, I just imagine that God was orchestrating all of the events and he was bringing them together. And God looks at the Son and the Son looks at the Father. And all of heaven is watching with anticipation. And the second person of the Godhead stands. And as he stands, He lays aside regal robes of glory and he takes on human flesh and becomes a man and humbles himself and all of heaven stand in attention and give glory to God Almighty because God is moving in salvation for the world. Woo! Christy and I went last Sunday to see the Messiah when the hallelujah chorus began, everybody stood praising hallelujah to God. And all of heaven with myriads and myriads of angels praising God at his great work of salvation. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? But on earth, peace. What kind of peace? Peace among men where God's favor rests. He brings peace. This is the work of Jesus. First of all, it's peace with God that he brings. Therefore, since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've obtained access through him by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. For while we were still helpless at the appointed time, Christ died for the ungodly. Rarely will someone die for a just person, Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than we have been declared righteous by his blood and were saved through him from wrath. Praise God. Next verse, please. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we have received this reconciliation through him. Ephesians says it this way. So then remember, look how often he says the word peace. So then remember, at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those who called the circumcised, which is done by the flesh of human hands. Notice. Next slide, please. At that time, you were without the Messiah, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. For he is our what? Peace. Say it with me. For he is our peace. Who? Jesus. 
who made both groups into one, tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh, and he made of no effect the law consistent of commands expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in what? Peace. Verse 16, he did so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross and put the hostility to death by it. And when the Messiah came, he proclaimed the good news of peace to those who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we have access by one spirit to the Father. My friends, the peace with God happened through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Not only does he give peace with God, he gives us the peace of God. The scripture says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses every thought will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's for us on whom God's favor rests. What does that mean? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that peace automatically came in the world. No, but God's peace reigns on those who trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Those are the ones who know the peace of God and peace with God. Amen? Amen. How did these shepherds respond? Well, how did they embrace the Savior? Number one, they believed the Word of God. They said, let's go to Bethlehem then. Number two, they went with haste. It says in the scripture that they sought the Lord, and when they had found him, it was just like the angels told them. He said, this will be a sign. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. They sought the Lord, and they found him. They found this baby in a manger. And then they told their story about what God had done and said to them. And then they praised God. And that's our response. How do we embrace the Savior? Number one, we need to believe the Lord. We seek the Lord. Not only that, we tell our story, what God's done in our life. And number four, we praise him and we worship him. Will you embrace the Savior this Christmas season? Will you embrace him as the Savior of your life? Will you tell your story about what God's done for you? Will you seek the Lord with all of your heart? Will you believe the Word of God and trust it? That's what the angels said, and that's how the shepherds obeyed. Father in heaven, have your way in our hearts and our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we get ready to sing, it's an opportunity for you to respond. Let the Lord have his way in your heart, in your life. Don't delay or put it off. Stand with me today. You come. Let the Lord have his way in your heart. You come.